Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We've got a few thoughts for us about the holiday before we go party downstairs, have some great time of fellowship, and open up some gifts. It's already been so encouraging to sing with one another, to worship, to have fellowship, uh, to be here in the midst of all the trains that go right next to this place. Hopefully you didn't hit too much traffic coming down if you drove, uh, but we are just glad to be here and to be present right now as we read God's Word. I know there's a lot going on in your mind, a lot this weekend, a lot after tonight. Let's focus here as we read the Bible. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, or the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Christmas is about Christ. Christmas is about fixing our eyes on Jesus. We don't bow to nobody. You know, we finish. We yell it. Jesus is our Savior. He's the pioneer and the perfecter. He's the first and the finisher, as one of the translations say. What does that mean, the first and the finisher? Well, earlier it says that all of us are running the race that's marked out for us, right? So Jesus, He's the first and the finisher. He already finished the race ahead of us. You know, I ran the marathon a few years ago. It's pretty brutal. Anyone run the marathon? You guys are amazing, brave, courageous souls. Alright, notice I said ran the marathon. I don't ask if people finish. I'm just proud of you for getting in the race. You'll finish it one day if you haven't finished it yet. But you know, there are guys, people that finish this race in two hours. Two hours. And you know, I'm not going to tell you what I ran it in, but it was a lot longer than that. And you know, I read books by experts. I listen to people talk on video about how to train. People that ran the marathon in two hours. Was I going to run the marathon in two hours? No. But I'm looking to the best so that I can train to finish the race. That's who Jesus is. He's out front. We're not going to be able to live a perfect sinless life. That would be awesome. But we aim for that perfection because when we imitate the best, we'll finish the race. When I crossed that finish line, I just about fell over. I was sick. All my body had seized up on me. I had cramps in my legs that I had never known were possible to be that painful. And I was just limping. But I went across the finish. When I get to heaven, I don't care if I'm limping, crawling, getting over I just want to get across. Just get me there. That's where I'm going. So Jesus is way out front. He's the example. And this is Christmas. This is a time where the whole world is talking about our man. Our guy. Our champion. And some people talk about it like they know him. And they don't. And they say Merry Christmas, but they don't really know what that means. And that's okay. Because that's some of us today. And that was some of us years ago. So what is this? Is an opportunity to fill in some of the holes. To fill in some of the blanks. To be able to share about our champion. About our Christ. In Christmas. Amen? Amen. You know, in Hebrews 12, we just read about how sin entangles. 
you ever felt that sin has haunted you or entangled you or chained you down? You feel like it's extra amount of gravity, this particular sin that drags you when you're trying to be free and live a life in Christ. But that sin, we all battle. We all have an Achilles heel, something that gets us. We know what that's like, being chained down by sin. When I read this passage, it reminded me of my favorite Christmas film, and that is Mickey's Christmas Carol. Maybe many of you have not even heard of this film. That's okay. The book by Dickens was phenomenal, A Christmas Carol. But my favorite film is this 1984 Disney animated short. It was nominated for an Academy Award, alright? So if you haven't seen it, it's good, good watching. And if you don't know about it, you probably remember this guy, right? Who's this? Ebenezer Scrooge, right? The greedy old miser. Bah humbug, right? Won't even give his apprentice the full day off on Christmas. Makes him do his own laundry. Won't spend time with his family. And just board it up behind his money. I'm going to show you a few clips tonight of this film and draw a little bit of inspiration and challenge from it as we read Hebrews 12. You guys ready? Alright, so first he's visited by the ghost of his dead business partner, Jacob Marley. The loser? Remember when I was alive, I rubbed the wheels and flipped the whore? Yes, it's all in the same day. Oh, yeah, class, Jacob. <laughs> yep. Oh, no, no. I was wrong. The Lord's punishment must have carried every day for eternity. No hope. I'm doomed. Doomed. And the same thing will happen to you. No. By three spirits. Listen, do what I say. Your chains will be heavy as mine. Alright. We're back in the zone here. Ebenezer gets his visit and he gets a glimpse into the potential consequences of the sin that he's committing. If I don't change now, I'm going to end up like him, chained for eternity. And so there's an opportunity here for Scrooge to be different. And Jacob Marley says, listen to these three spirits that are going to come and help you tonight. And in the same way, I want to encourage all of us. You know, we're not at Christmas yet. We've got a few weeks here to consider the rest of the year, to have resolutions and goals for 2019, all this kind of stuff. Right now, right here, I want to give us all an opportunity for a Christmas breakthrough. A Christmas breakthrough. Because I believe that in this room... We are getting dogged in some shape, way, or form in our life. And we're going into the holidays going, Man, I want to feel this great experience, this Christmas time, and Merry Christmas. I want to believe that, but I don't want to feel these chains. So we're going to talk about this tonight. We're going to jump right into the first ghost. The ghost of Christmas past. You guys ready? Here we go. We're going to visit your past.
I remember how much I was in love with her. In 10 years' time, you learn to love something else. What? Where's my counting house? Thank finishing 972. So, the ghost of Christmas past brings Scrooge to a time before, a time when he was innocent, a time when he might have been shy and happy and in love. But in ten years' time, what does the ghost say? He learned to love something else more. He learned to love something else more. He lost his joy. You know, some of us have lost our joy. Some of us have lost that freedom to feel and express the unexpressible joy that we felt when we decided to follow Jesus. And maybe ten years' time has filled you with not just those extra joyous miracles, but some resentment and bitterness over the time. You know, we, uh, some of us, we get annoyed about Christmas. Uh, we, we start to remind ourselves as we get into the holidays about times that we've been shortchanged, times that we've been wronged, times that we've been backstabbed or lied to or talked about. And in 10 years' time, a lot can happen. You know, some of us have been around the church for a lot longer than 10 years. Can I get an amen for that? You guys are awesome. You're heroes for your longevity, but you're also targets for satanic attack. Hebrews 12, verse 2 says, For the joy set before Jesus, He endured the cross. You know, sometimes we say, Life is hard! John, how can you talk about joy right now when I'm dealing with this? When I'm dealing with that, when I just got fired, when we just broke up, when my dad just said this, when I just went to this funeral, how could I possibly find joy when things are so hard? Well, Jesus was hanging on a cross and still found something to be joyful about. He's our example. He's way out front. He said, how can I find it? Well, He found joy in salvation. He found joy in resurrection. He knew what the plan was going to be. He found joy in knowing that we would be here 2,000 years later glorifying His name. The future of His sacrifice would be so worth it that He would find joy in the moment of going through that pain. You know that song? Joy and pain. And rain. Sometimes it happens all at the same time. If you live in New York long enough, it's warm, it's cold, it's hot, it's not, it's snowing, and then it gets bright outside. It's crazy here. Emotionally, we'd be like that. Spiritually, we're like that. You go through some of the most amazing times and then drop right into the worst. But our joy is not circumstantial. I'm not talking about fake and happy. I'm talking about something that starts down deep. If you're in Bah Humbug land right now, I want to remind you that we have joy in this Jesus. Not in our health, because it's great right now maybe, but it's not going to last. Some of you are like, huh, hell's not good now. And we pray for you. We want it to get better, but it doesn't last. We're made to break. Sorry. It's not. We're not happy in all this inner contentment because you got money in your pocket because you know that's going to get spent. And most of you don't have it to begin with anyway. It's not because of who you're with or what you do. You can't get happiness from the external. All that happens outside of our souls. Our soul's joy is a place inside, a motivator that goes deep within, well beyond all this earthly stuff. 
This Greek word for joy in the Scripture that we read, chara, it means state of delight or contentment. It's the same word that they used when the women found an empty tomb and they were filled with joy. Guess what? We live knowing that Jesus raised from the dead. We live with chara. We live with that kind of joy because we get it every day. The knowledge that Jesus is alive and He's living in us. This is the kind of joy we want. The joy challenge that our Christmas past reminds us of. You ready for the ghost of Christmas present? Alright, here we go. Why did you bring me to this old shack? This is the home of your homework on the pavement home, Bob Cratchit. The ghost busts Ebenezer out of this little selfish bubble that he's in. He starts to become aware of the needs around him. He starts to see his heart break a little bit and asking questions and thinking outside himself. It's a muscle that he hadn't used in a long time. It's a muscle called empathy. Empathy. Caring for someone else over ourselves. To put ourselves in someone else's place. To consider and to be sensitive to what someone else is going through. Concern and compassion. In Hebrews 12, our text for the day, it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, Jesus' death is the ultimate form of empathy. He literally steps into our place, takes the punishment we should have and would have received. Empathy. Empathy this Christmas. Are you aware of the needs around you? aware of what you have and what you can give. I want to introduce you to a young gentleman named Chris. And Chris is an amazing young man that a few years ago his father got cancer and passed away. And Chris went uh, into a sadness. It was very hard on him emotionally and hard on him physically. But he decided at some point that he really wanted to make a change. And so he decided in in his mind, I'm going to start with the weight. I'm going to just start going after this. I'm going to start eating better and uh, start running and doing different things. And he did. And he started to lose the weight. He even won a contest and started feeling a little bit better about things. But he realized that even though that was happening, he still didn't have inner peace. He still was missing something. And it's pretty awesome because someone invited him to our daytime arts ministry. He's a performer, an improv actor, and comedian. And uh, he comes out, and he comes to church, and he studies the Bible. And he's like, you know what? This is what I'm missing. And he decided, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to get baptized. I want to be a Christian. 
uh, typically when we're listening to a message, we hear that story and we say, yeah, and then we move on to something else. But our stories keep going. They keep, yours is keep going after baptism, I hope, right? Some of you studying the Bible, it's awesome. We pray you can make that decision as well. But right afterward, he got some news. His mom, Mama Bo, as we call her, she got cancer. It came back hard. And he starts to think, man, life was going great. My career was starting to take off. I lost the weight. I'm starting to get right. I got right with God. I made Jesus Lord. I got baptized. And now, it could be tempting to feel like, God, why now? God, why this? God, why me? You ever been there? But instead of thinking about all the things that related to him, he decided for empathy. How's my mom feeling right now? And no one could care for her, so I'm going to move out of New York City. I'm going to go to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. I'm going to move in with Mama Bo, and I will take care of her. I'll take care of her. I will bring her to her appointments. I'll, I'll make the jokes. I'll read the paper. I'll do what i got to do. He decided to act in empathy. But he didn't stop there. Chris, you know, he's a performer and he can't hold him back, so he starts pumping up his online presence. He would come in for a little bit of interviews and he, he started, and a lot of the Manhattan people know the story already, uh, something called uh, The Smile Guy. He became Chris Bohinsky, The Smile Guy, and he would interview some big celebrities and ask them, what makes you smile? And he started getting on some major red carpets. You recognize any of these people? What makes you smile? What makes you smile? Because he acted in empathy, and instead of allowing it to get his faith down, he decided, I got something deeper than circumstances. God gives me my joy. God gives me my purpose. And so I'm going to go do something with my time. I'm going to encourage my mom with this. And he brought her with him. She's right there in the bottom left corner. You can see her up here. Hanging out, meeting all the celebs. But it doesn't stop there. Back at home, he said, you know what? I'm going to call the mayor. You know what? People need to smile more. We just have a whole day where we dedicate the day to smiling. And we'll have a police department, a fire department, we'll have a carnival, we'll have free food, we'll have everything donated, we'll have thousands of people come. Crazy idea, right? But the mayor's like, let's do it. So they put him up on a billboard. Uh, they had them up here, like on the billboard, come to Smile Day. We had some people go volunteer over there. They got a proclamation from the mayor. And Obama even wrote them a little note saying, you're doing awesome, I hope your mom feels better. That's pretty good, if you ask me. When you act out of empathy, God says, let's do something here. Something special. You know, the Ghost of Christmas Present shows us there are intense needs around us. But we can do something about it. What needs do you need to be aware of in and around your life? Who's reaching out to you but you're too busy for? How can we serve? You know, uh, we're going to get some presents downstairs in a minute. For those that brought, we're going to do a little exchange. and You might even get some presents uh, when Christmas comes around the bend here. I want to encourage you not to worry about the presence you're going to get today or the next couple of weeks. I want you to be aware of a different kind of presence. 
That's the presence of God in your life. That when every time you open a gift, that you just remember this idea that I'm opening something and I consider it present. But God is present with me at all times. God is the gift I get to open with people all the time. God is the gift that keeps giving. You open up a gift, a new iPhone. Wow, that would be great, right? It's going to break. You're going to step on it. You're going to lose it. God doesn't break. You can't lose God. Well, you can, but He won't lose you. This is the idea. The way we train our mind to act in empathy. And you ready for the future? You're like, no, I don't want to be ready for the future. But the ghost of the future comes and visits Ebenezer. And we'll close with this. Christmas future shows him a lonely grave. A lonely grave. No one. No friends. Sure, he had co-workers. He had family. He had associates. But no friends. No one that really cared. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know, I think about that cloud surrounded by our spiritual ancestors of the past, by the next generation growing up in our future, but also I think about how we're surrounded right now by the people around. Look around right now. This is who you're surrounded by. Hopefully you're around some spiritual people that actually care about the destiny of your soul. Alright? Give a little smile if you care about the destiny of the soul sitting next to you. Surrounded. This is your spiritual family, alright? Brothers and sisters, and maybe they're not right next to you, maybe they're in four rows behind, but the people that really know you and can really know you are here. You know, I don't know about the other boroughs in New York City. You have to educate me a little bit. All I know really about is Manhattan. But in Manhattan, we can get pretty independent. Does that happen anywhere else? New York can be a hard place to live, right? It's fast. It's expensive. People are hard. Even just to get onto the train sometimes, you've got to kind of push your way in, right? So it trains you to be hard. trains you to mad dog. Some of us came in tonight mad dog. I think you forgot you were coming to church. It's okay. Turn the crowd upside down. Alright. But we can be loners. We can detach. We can be distant. We can be surfacy. We've been hurt in the past. We don't want to open ourselves up, be more vulnerable, I'm going to get hurt again. And so we come in a little guarded. A little too guarded sometimes. And what could potentially be a night where we share something deep and something encouraging happens. We close the fence and we hem ourselves in. It's a lonely grave. It's a lonely grave. Guys, you can't do it alone. Right. Didn't Moses try to do it alone? He's there in Exodus 18 trying to judge all the cases. He's wearing himself out. There's a long line. Longer than Shake Shack. Longer than the DMV. Longer than to get to the coat check. I mean, long line. He's frustrated. They're frustrated. And Jethro's like, what you're doing is not good. You can't do this alone.
alone. Even when he's trying to just raise his arms in the chapter before, he can't defeat the Amalekites without some help. Hours and hours, he needs help. So Hur gets on one side and Joshua gets on the other. Is that right? No, it's Aaron. Aaron gets on the other. See, you guys are good Bible scholars. And they help him. Don't you need help in your spiritual life? You don't want a Christmas future with a lonely grave where you didn't really give so you didn't really get. The reason I wanted to pause right here is because this, this particular moment uh, in the clip is very interesting because when he realizes he's back in his room, he has a couple of choices he can make. Because when I was eight years old and I saw that for the first time, I was scared. I'm like a fire and oh my goodness. But then I'm so happy he's back in his room. It's just a nightmare. You know, sometimes we get a glimpse of a consequence of our action, and then we come back to a normal day or normal reality, like it was a nightmare and now we're over, and we just go back to doing the same thing. And I think Scrooge had that same opportunity to go, oh, well, it's just a dream. I'm just going to go do what I normally did. So let's watch and see this one final thing about how he acts. You guys know the end of the story, don't you? Yeah. Okay, for the seven or eight that don't, here you go. In the original story, Charles Dickens wrote, Best and happiest of all, the time before him was his own. To make amends. He says, I will live in the past, live in the present, and in the future. Scrooge repeated as he scrambled out of bed. He was laughing and crying at the same breath. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. When we repent, when we clean out the dark, the bitter, the resentment, Get open before God, before one another. Find that joy back. Find that empathy back. And find that connection with one another. You feel light as a feather. It's, it's like when we first found Jesus. And people said, why are you so happy? What is wrong with you? Why does something have to be wrong to be so happy? Because it's countercultural. The world's not like that from the inside out. This is a picture of Romans 2. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what's so cool about being reminded of our time here and even seeing some silly clips like this? It does remind you that you have your time now. What is right here, right now, is yours. It is the present. It is an opportunity to have that joy, empathy, and connection this Christmas. And I want to encourage you all to be thinking about 2019 and a vision for what God can do with your life. A vision for what God can do with the Edge Ministry. A vision for what God can do with the New York Church. With our whole city. When we bring this kind of joy to the city around us. To not let the selfish spirits of all the commercial, worldly side of Christmas get us to selfishly hem us in and to steal that joy, but to be able to be like Jesus did out front from it, free and faithful. Amen? Amen. So I want to say in closing, Merry Christmas to the New York Edge Ministry, and may God bless the New York Church. Thank you, guys.